Hey, what is up you guys? Welcome back to the Loon Podcast and today, today we're going to be talking about the three simple ways to calculate intrinsic value, right? So on our previous episodes, we have mentioned about the four steps of value investing, right? So now, let's say you have come across a company or a business that you understand, right? Which is the first step. And then you notice that this business has a durable competitive advantage, right? Which is the second step. And then you notice that this company is, or this business is run by a very talented management with a lot of integrity, right? So that is the third step. So now, what do you do next, right? The f- next thing to do is the fourth step, which is to find, uh, to buy it at a price that makes sense, right? So to make sure to, in order to know that the price makes sense, we have to first find out the intrinsic value of the business, which is the value of the business, so that you can buy it at the intrinsic value or lower. And when you do that, you are technically buying at a bargain, right? You're having a discount, which is what every value investors want, right? And this is actually a very, very uh, crucial step because even if you buy, for example, even if you buy a great company at the wrong price, or if you buy it at its peak, you will end up losing a lot of money in your investment, right? Because you bought it at the wrong price. So it's always better to buy it at its intrinsic value or lower so that you are technically buying at a discount, right? And another tricky thing about this is, I personally did did this mistake as well, is I noticed a lot of people, after they learn about uh, calculating intrinsic value, this is what I did. I started analyzing companies by first calculating the intrinsic value. When I calculate intrinsic value, when I know that the company is under value, only then I start researching because I know researching takes time, right? And I don't want to waste too much of time researching. So what I did was I first analyze, uh, I first calculate the intrinsic value. If I find this company to be undervalued, only then I start researching. And that is a very bad approach, right? You don't want to uh, do your analysis with that approach. I know a lot of my friends did it as well, but it doesn't work that way, right? Why? Because you will end up missing out on great companies, right? Not all great companies are always undervalued, right? So you want to make sure you follow the step, right? Make sure the company has durable competitive advantage and all that only then you start uh, calculating the intrinsic value. If you start by calculating the intrinsic value, you will miss out on great companies. Or even worse, you might end up buying poor companies because companies are undervalued for a reason. It's either it is mispriced or it doesn't have any value. Right? That is why nobody wants to buy it and that is why it seems to be undervalued. Right? So, stick with the plan the plan has proven to work again and again and again. These four steps of investing has been proven for years. It's been working again and again. So make sure you follow the plan. Don't try to outsmart the system, right? So follow the four steps. What is the four steps? Find a company that you understand. Find, Make sure it has a competitive advantage. Understand the management. Know who you're dealing with, who is running the business. And only then, only then we calculate the intrinsic value. Right? So now let's dive in, in let's dive into calculating intrinsic value. So before you start calculating intrinsic value, when you buy a business, you want to make sure you know 
why you are buying it for, right? You need to know why you're buying it for. Are you buying it because of its dividend? Are you buying it because of its uh, growth potential? Or is it because it has a very strong, uh, it has a lot of strong assets that is capable of generating returns, right? So you want to know why you're buying all this, com- uh, buying the company for. Because different types of companies have different ways of calculating intrinsic value, right? So the key thing is, first, make sure you know why you're buying the company for. So the first way of calculating intrinsic value is by using the price to book value, or some might call it the PB ratio, right? Price to book ratio. And what is book value, first of all? Book value is actually the net asset value, right? Which means if uh, you can actually get this value, this number by looking at the equity in the balance sheet, right? It tells you that if the company decides to close down, right? If the company decides to close down, what they will do is they'll take all of their assets, the sell off all their assets, and pay off all of their liabilities and the remaining amount, which is the net asset, right, will be paid out to shareholders. And that is the amount that you want to know, the net asset value, right? So that is the book value, right? So when do you use price to book value? You use it for asset play companies, which means companies that have a lot of assets like properties, real estates or land or stock investment and so forth. So you can use it for uh, especially for banks, for financial institutions, for property owners, basically any business that use tangible assets to grow their business, you can use uh, price to book ratio, PB ratio, right? And a good example would be companies like Wells Fargo or Berkshire Hathaway because Berkshire Hathaway owns a lot of businesses and all of these businesses are basically assets to Berkshire. Right? So they have growth companies, they have dividend companies, they have so many types of companies. right? So it's very hard to, to say you want to evaluate Berkshire because of its growth it's, or you want to use it because of its uh, dividend. You know, It's very hard. So the easiest way is to find its price to book value, right? PB ratio, right? Because all of their, all of their businesses are basically assets to the company, right? So Berkshire, you can use PB ratio. And some people might even calculate, you might even use PB ratio for Walmart, right? Why? Because Walmart has a lot of real estate, right? So ultimately, it depends on how you look at the business. Why are you buying the business? If you're buying it because of assets, right? So then you can use price to book value, right? But of course, it is not always the best method, right? Price to book value is not always the best method because there are some disadvantages to it, which we'll talk more about it later, right? So first, how do you use price to book value to calculate intrinsic value? First, you need to know the formula of price to book value. The formula for price to book value is the current market price divided by the book value. Right? If the current market price divided by book value is equals to 1, it means the market price is the same as the book value, right? which means it is fair value. Right? If you get more than 1, which it means that the company is currently overvalued. And if it's less than 1, it means the company is undervalued. Right? So ultimately, you want, to, you want to make sure you're buying at a margin of safety. Right? So let's say you want a 20% margin of safety. So you're looking for a 
right? Less than 1. 0 0.8 is less than 1, which means it's undervalued. And if you use 0 0.8, it means you're having a 20% margin of safety, right? So to calculate intrinsic value, you have to reverse engineer this formula. So what is the intrinsic value? Intrinsic value is equals to the book value multiplied by the price to book ratio, right? In this case, you want it to be 0 0.8 which means you're buying it at a 20% margin of safety. So for example, let's say the company today is, uh, the book value of this company is $10, right? And you want a 20% margin of safety. So $10 multiplies 0.8, you get $8, which means if you buy this com this particular company at, the, at $8 per share, it means you have a 20% margin of safety, right? As simple as that. So your intrinsic value is based on the book value of the company. If it's the same value, if both are the same amount, it means it is fair value. If the intrinsic value is lower than the book value, it means it is undervalued. And if it's higher than the book value, it means it is overvalued. That is how you see price to book ratio. That's how you use price to book ratio, right? But of course, there is always a disadvantage in price to book. What is the disadvantage? The disadvantage is it doesn't take into account the company's capacity to grow. Right? because it only calculates the net asset. Right, Net asset doesn't tell you whether the company is capable of growing or not. Right, So it can be deceiving at times. Right, So there's this, uh, normally what we do is we, we see that this company, they have more assets than liability. Right, So because it has more assets than liability, we assume that the company is safe. But it doesn't always work that way. Why? Here's an example. Let's say you came across the company. This company has uh, asset value of uh, $400 million, right? And at the same time, this company has a liability of $300 million, right? So from here, you know that the company's equity or the book value is $100 million, right? 400 minus 300. So you have book value of $100 million. And let's say one day something happened to this company, right? And they are forced to close down, right? And when they close down, the, the resale value of these assets, all of a sudden, is not 400 million anymore, right? It's only worth 200 million. So in that case, you know that the equity or your book value is, is negative 100 million, which means that your assets have no value anymore, right? It has no value anymore because you have a negative book value. And that is why you need to find out, uh, you need to take note on companies like this. These are especially for companies that have a lot of inventories, right? Because you want to make sure that all these inventories, the resale value is higher than is being stated in the balance sheet, right? You want to make sure that the resale value is higher. So for example, Let's say you come across a company that uh, manufactures uh, shirt, right? They have a lot of shirts. And you notice that this company have a lot of assets, but most of their assets are in inventory, right? The money is stuck in their inventory. They have a lot of inventory. So for a shirt company, their inventories are basically shirts, right? If one day this company decides to close down, in order to get back all the money, they have to sell off their shirts. But the resale value of this shirt may not be as high as it used to, right? 
So the value has now significantly reduced and the asset value is, is just, there's no value anymore, right? So that is why you want to take note on the inventories, right? You want to make sure that the asset that you're buying has a higher resale value, right? But of course, it can work the opposite as well, right? Especially for companies that sell, for example, they sell, they sell real metal or they sell gold, for example. So in the long run, all these assets, they tend to appreciate, right? The price of the assets appreciate. So it, it is not reflected on the book value, right? So for example, this company has a lot of gold, right? And their goal in the assets, in the balance sheet, it stated that they have 400 million worth of gold, which is their assets, right? So in the long run, after five years, 10 years, they decide to close down. Although their balance sheet, the book value is, own, is still 400 million, but the value of the gold has significantly uh, grew, right? Because it appreciates in, in value, right? So in that, you know that when you sell off this gold, you will be getting more than $400 million, right? Because the asset value has grown, right? So these are some of the advantages if you buy a really good company with good assets. Or some companies tend to have a really strong branding, right? Or they have patents or they have franchises. So all of these assets are not really calculated in the book value, right? After many years, the strength of this brand can be sold off and get a higher return, right? So the asset does not uh, really reflect uh, on its book value, right? So these are the type of company that you want to own if you want to use price to book value, right? So the key thing here is if you want to use price to book ratio to calculate your intrinsic value, you want to, you, you have to make sure that you understand or you really know the value of those assets in the company, right? You need to really know the value of those assets in the company. Only then can you use price to book ratio because essentially what you're calculating is the net asset value, right? If the assets in the company, the resale value is not worth anything, then you're wasting your time investing in the business, right? So if you're using price to book, uh, price to book ratio, make sure you know the assets of the company. And then that is the first uh, first way of cal calculating intrinsic value. The second way of calculating intrinsic value is by using dividend yield, right? So as, as the name says, dividend yield is used for companies that are capable of giving out consistent dividend. And notice that I say consistent dividend, right? If you invest in a company that's giving out dividend, you wanna make sure that they are paying out consistent dividend because there's no point investing in a company that does not have enough cash to pay out dividend, right? If you notice that the company does not have enough cash or you notice that this company um, historically doesn't pay consistent dividend, right? Maybe they pay, uh, they pay one year and then they don't pay another year or they don't pay for a few years before they start paying. So you want to make sure that they are paying out consistent dividend, right? Some companies, uh, they don't pay out during uh, economic crisis, you know, they're going through recession, so they don't pay out dividend. So those are companies that are not really cash rich, right? Since they are not cash rich, they don't have cash to pay out dividend, right? So 
if you want to look for a com- dividend company, you can check out Dividend Aristocrat. Right? Dividend Aristocrats are companies, uh, companies that are from the S&P index, right? that have increased their dividend payout for the past for 25 uh, consecutive years or even or even more in some cases right so these companies have proven to go through recessions and still pay out dividend uh, to their shareholders right so if let's say you want to buy a dividend company here are some criteria make sure first they are paying out high dividend right once you know that they are paying high, pay, paying high dividend, you want to make sure that their payout is consistent, which means they are paying out every single year without fail, right? You don't want it to be one year they pay, one year they don't pay, or one year they pay and then after that a few years they don't pay and then they pay again, you know? You want it to be consistent. And the third criteria is you want to make sure that the dividend is increasing over time. Why? Because you're going to buy it and you're going to hold it for a long run. So you want to make sure that they are increasing over time. Because if they are paying you, for example, they are paying you uh, $5,000 dividend, right? The $5,000 dividend this year is not going to be worth the same after 10 years, right? The $5,000 that's being paid out 10 years later is significantly lower in value compared to the $5,000 you get this year. Why? Because of inflation. So you want to make sure that the dividend is constantly increasing as well, right? So here are the criteria. Pay, they pay high dividend. The payout is consistent, which means they are paying out every single year. And over time, the dividend amount is increasing, right? So these are the three criteria. And so, to in order to... Uh, <coughs> sorry. In order to find out how are they paying uh, this dividend, you okay, here's an example. Let's say you you want to find a company that is paying out dividend. You want you you want to make sure you know how they are paying the dividend as well. Right? Because like I said, you don't want to be investing in a company that doesn't have enough cash to pay out dividend, right? So you want to know where they are, are they getting their cash. If they don't have enough cash, how are they paying you the dividend, right? Is it by getting in more debts, right? Or is it by issuing more shares, right? If that is what they're doing, it's a huge red flag for me, right? You want to make sure that this company is cash rich before they are capable of paying out dividend, right? And so a good example would be companies like Johnson & Johnson, AT&T, or Coca-Cola, and so forth, right? Basically, you can look for uh, companies that are listed in the dividend aristocrat, right? So now, how do you calculate uh, intrinsic value for dividend companies? You must first understand the formula of dividend yield, right? Dividend yield, the formula of dividend yield is uh, dividend per share divided by the current share price, right? Dividend per share divided by the current share price. And now, let's say your particular uh uh, because different people have different uh, estimation or different expectation of the dividend yield, right? I I tend to like companies that pay out at least 6% or more, right? Some people might prefer 5%, some people might prefer 8%. So it's entire, it, it depends on the individual, right? So let's say I'm looking for 6%, right? 6%, it means 0.06. So to calculate the intrinsic value, I take 
the dividend per share from the com uh, company's annual report. What is their dividend per share? Divided by 0 0.06. And that is how I get the intrinsic value of the business. But of course, you want to make sure the intrinsic value is uh, whether it's higher or lower than the market price. If intrinsic value is higher than market price, it is undervalued. If intrinsic value is lower than the market price, it means it, it means it is overvalued, right? But of course, it always it is always important to buy it at a margin of safety, right? So make sure you're buying it lower than the intrinsic value, right? So that is the second way of calculating intrinsic value. So now, what's the third way? The third way of calculating intrinsic value is by looking at the P-E ratio. So many people, it's actually a very common uh, ratio. Many people look at P-E ratio. So the formula of P-E ratio is price divided by earnings, earnings per share, right? So what does P-E ratio tell you? P-E ratio basically compares the share price of the company's, uh, the share price of the company to its earnings, the company's earnings, right? So when you look at a P-E ratio, it tells you how cheap is the company is, right? Or it tell in other, or it can also tell you in how many years can you get back your capital, right? So for example, let's say you found a company that you want to buy. The current share price of this company is $10, right? The current share price is $10 and this company is capable of earning $5 per share every year, right? So when you calculate the P ratio, 10 divided by 5, you get 2. It means the company is, if you really invested in this company pay by paying $10, in two years, you have already made back your capital because in two years, 10 divided by 5 is 2. So in two years, you have already gotten back your capital. It means the company is selling at a cheap, right? Because if a good comp if it's a really good company, you can you, it takes uh, more than two years to, to to get back the return, right? So the lower the PE, the cheaper the company is. But of course, that doesn't mean you have to look for the cheapest PE, right? It's uh doesn't make sense to be doing that because in some cases the company is cheap for a reason, right? Maybe because it's it has bad or very poor business and nobody wants to buy it. That is why. It is selling at a cheap. So you want to make sure you really understand the business before you invest, right? So what is the right P-E ratio to look for? Some people might prefer a range of 10 to 15. Some people might prefer 15 to 20, but it depends, right? For me, when I look at uh, the US companies, I tend to go for P-E ratio of uh, 15 to 20, Right? So to me, 15 to 20 is, uh, I would say, fair value. Right? If it's lower than that, I would say it is undervalued. Right? The lower it is, the cheaper it is. But of course, again, you want to be looking for, you want to compare. Okay? You want to compare between companies within the same industry. So for example, let's say you come across two similar, uh, two companies within the same industry. You want to see whether uh, are they are their PE ratio almost the same, right? If if the companies in this industry have somewhat similar PE ratio, which is somewhere around twenty five or thirty, so it doesn't make sense for you to expect a PE of ten or PE of uh, 
12 right because it's very low right so it may may in in some cases you may not be able to get the company because the p ratio is too low so you want to make sure you have a p ratio that makes sense right so when do you apply p ratio when you look at companies that are uh, fundamentally strong solid and stable right such as uh, nestle for example so now how do you calculate intrinsic value using pe ratio first you need to understand how to calculate what is the formula of P-E ratio? The formula of P-E ratio is price divided by earnings. So to calculate the intrinsic value, you, you must use the average P-E multiplied by the earnings per share. right? So the earnings per share, you can find basically a lot of websites have the company's earnings per share. Or you can look at the annual report. right? It will state their earnings per share. And then earnings per share multiplied by average P-E. How do you calculate average P-E? There's two ways of calculating average PE. First is by taking the lowest uh, PE and the highest PE of that company and you find the average. That's one way. The second way is by taking the past five years of the company's PE and you average it to get one value, right? The average PE. Both methods, both methods work, but you have to make sure that the average PE makes sense. You don't want to go too extreme with the average PE. Why? Because, like I said, you have to make the make sure that the PE, uh, PE average PE makes sense. If the average PE doesn't make sense, then the intrinsic value that you calculate may be incorrect or it may be too low. And if it is too low, you may never buy the company. You may never be able to buy the company because the company may not reach that value. Right, that intrinsic value or if you count or if you use a uh, too high average PE you might get a, a intrinsic value that is too high if you get an intrinsic value that's too high you might buy the company at a very overvalued price right so it's better to make sure that the average PE makes sense by using the right average uh, average PE right so again make sure that if the market price is lower than intrinsic value, it means it is undervalued. And if the market price is higher than intrinsic value, it means it is overvalued, right? And most importantly, make sure you buy it at a margin of safety, right? And now, even PE ratio has its own disadvantage. Why? Because it's just like uh, price the book, PE ratio does not take into account the growth of a company. Right? If you're buying, let's say you're buying a growth company, the company is growing at 20% uh, average every five years, for example. Because they're growing so fast, it is not possible for you to use PE ratio. Why? Because if you use PE ratio, you might get a very low intrinsic value and you may never get a chance of buying this company. Because the intrinsic value is too low, this company is not able to reach the intrinsic value because they are constantly growing. So that is why I'll give you a bonus, another way of uh, in calculating intrinsic value. This is the fourth way, right? The bonus for you guys, which is using the PEG. PEG is basically PE ratio, but you, you include the growth rate of the company, right? So PEG is actually uh, a method that is popularized by Peter Lynch. Peter Lynch is a very famous investor. And he used this 
for his Megalon fund, right? So, I actually have a separate episode on uh, Peter Lynch's book. I, I did a summary of that book in, our, in my previous episodes. You can check them out. Uh, it is The title of this book is One Up on Wall Street. You can even buy the book. It's a great book and I highly recommend you guys reading it as well, right? So, Peter Lynch, he actually used PEG uh, for growth businesses and he will only buy good businesses when the PE ratio is lower than the growth rate, right? PE ratio is lower than the growth rate. And when I say growth rate here, I mean the EPS growth rate, right? EPS growth rate of the company. So how do you calculate uh, intrinsic value? So we know that PE ratio has to be lower than growth rate. So to calculate intrinsic value, intrinsic value would be less than the growth rate in percentage multiplied by the earnings per share, right? Growth rate in percentage multiplied by the earnings per share. So for example, let's say you come across a company with a growth rate of uh, 13%, right? And the, car the company's uh, EPS, earning per share, earnings per share is $2. So 13 multiply 2, you get $26, right? So the intrinsic value is $26. Make sure the growth rate is calculated in percentage. You don't have to divide it, don't have to divide it by 100, right? Make sure you're using 13%. So 13% multiplied by 2, you get 26. So intrinsic value is $26. So it means if you buy the company at $26, you're buying it at a fair value, right? If you're buying it lower than the intrinsic value, you have a margin of safety, which means it is undervalued, right? So these are the four simple ways of calculating intrinsic value, right? Although, I mean, I promise you guys three, but this fourth one is a bonus for you guys. But of course, there are more ways of calculating intrinsic value, right? But this four is, is some of the basics that is good enough to get you guys started, right? But Here's something to take note on. Intrinsic value may not be the same for everyone, right? So for example, you might have your own intrinsic value for a company and I might have a different intrinsic value for the same company and your friend might have a different intrinsic value for the same company, right? We may have, the dif uh, we may have different intrinsic value for the same company and it's okay, right? That's okay because different people have different uh, level of risk tolerance, right? I may calculate my intrinsic value to be more conservative compared to yours and your friend might, might take more risk in terms of calculating his intrinsic value, right? So for example, let's say we are all uh, calculating intrinsic value for a dividend company. I may look for a 6% dividend yield, but you may look for, for example, a 7% and your friend might want 8%, right? So because of that, our intrinsic value may not be the same. That is why Warren Buffett said that intrinsic value is actually a range. It is not a specific number. It is actually a range, right? A range that actually determines how much risk you can take, right? If the intrinsic value is low, it means you're taking lesser risk, right? And for example, let's say we look at PEG, right? PEG way of calculating intrinsic value. The growth rate I take 
let's say we found a company that is capable of growing at 30%, right? The growth rate of this company is 30%. You might take 30% to calculate your intrinsic value. But for me, I might think that I don't think this company is capable of growing 30% for the next next few years. So I might be a bit more conserv conservative and I might use 20% instead. So my intrinsic value will not be the same as yours, right? So the key thing here to understand is that it may not be the same, but you have to make sure that your calculation is based on your own risk tolerance, right? You want to make sure that the numbers make sense because you don't want to find intrinsic value, intrinsic value that are too high or too low, right? It can also affect your investment, right? So that's all for today's episode. I really, really hope you guys understand. I think I'm losing my voice now. <laughs> and uh, if you did uh, learn something from this episode, be sure to share it with your friends or anyone who will benefit from this. And feel free to follow this uh, podcast to find out more exciting episodes in the future. And if you want to find out more about Dilun, you can check out our Facebook or Instagram page. You can look for Dilun or Dilun Investing. You can find out more about us. Also, I've already uh, finished my own, uh, I've written my own book. It's a really short and simple book. And at the same time, I'll be re releasing a very simple course for anybody who's interested in the future. I'll let you all know. And uh, till next time, yeah, take care. And I'll catch you guys on my next episode. Right? Bye-bye.